me say it is uh, good to be back. We missed you. We uh, missed being here. We visited several churches on our travels, and uh, none like here. So we're, uh, we're glad to be back. We uh, appreciate, Sherry and I thank you, that we could have the time off. We took six weeks and uh, drove to Rhode Island. Um, that's all I'll say about that. We drove to Rhode Island and uh, helped Nathan move from there to San Diego. So we drove from Rhode Island to San Diego. <clears throat> drove up to LA, about all I'll say about that too, and uh, uh, visited with Megan for a week and uh, ended up in Montana and uh, stayed in Helen for a while and uh, worked our way back across the country, back to here, 12,000 miles all total. So uh, if you ever want to drive 12,000 miles, I can show you how to do it. You can, and uh, God bless us. We were, I mean, safely, you know, driving and pulling a, pulling a travel trailer and uh, no, no incidences until the last day. The last day, we're, we're on our way home. Uh, we were up in North Carolina, and we were headed home. <clears throat> and there was a big uh, cement truck, like a rock hauling truck in front of us. And I told Sherry, I said, I got to get around that guy because rocks will fly off of there and hit the windshield, so it passed him. And uh, not five minutes later, wham, a rock cracked the windshield So from another truck. So if that's the worst thing that happens, uh, you know, I'm good. Uh, but yeah, thank you and, and uh, God blessed and uh, Megan and Nathan now are securely in California doing their thing. Um, not real happy about that, but, uh, but it's good. Take your Bibles this morning and go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 will be in verse 22 in just a few minutes. If you're with us online, thank you for joining us. By the way, I watched, your, I watched the services many times while we were gone online. I really enjoyed that and was able to be with you from online. I want us to think for a few minutes this morning about, about the ultimate lie, uh, the ultimate untruth in society. During our travels, I had the opportunity to visit with friends that we don't get to see much. We visited Sherry's uncle in, in Helena, Montana, and, and, they're, and they're all saved. They're all Christian men and women. And so we end up talking about God and the Bible. And I was talking to one of my old Navy buddies that we stopped and visited with, and he and his family are, are saved. And we were talking about truth and error in society, and he made a statement <clears throat> that, I, that I, I think is appropriate to what we're going to think about today. And he said this, he said, truth welcomes debate, but a lie always gets angry when it's challenged. And I thought, man, that is, that's astute, you know, truth welcomes a debate. If, if, if you're going to speak truth, we welcome the interaction. Is that not what we do as Christians? We want to we want to tell people about Jesus, and we want to tell people the truth of God's Word. So we're willing, uh, we're very willing to engage in, in discussions about God. But have you noticed that the world, particularly those who espouse secular humanism and those who espouse uh, anti-God principles and laws, there's a lot of anger. I mean, if you challenge, if you challenge the thought process, there's a lot of anger. Um, those who who push those errors, if we question them, they resist and they're angry. Um, isn't it interesting that in the world you can push any ridiculous idea, any foolishness, but at the, at the moment that you introduce truth, particularly God's truth, you get, 
you get ostracized and you get vilified as being some kind of enemy of, of society and the state. The truth is offensive to those who don't want the truth, but it doesn't change our responsibility to share the truth, particularly uh, of God's word. Now, before we go to 1 John chapter 2, there's a passage in Isaiah 5 that I want to deal with very quickly. You're welcome to turn there. We're going to put the verses up. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. There came a time in Israel's history that truth evaded them and they, and, and they were full of error. And God pronounced six woes against them. God said there are six warnings about, about the way you live that you need to be aware of that judgment's coming. And in verses 20 and 21 in Isaiah 5, listen to what God said. He said, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Well, hello. We're there, aren't we, in society? So listen to what God said to Israel. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Verse 21, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Now, two comments about, about what God was saying here very quickly. Number one, in verse 20, God said, woe to those who are full of moral corruption. That's what he's saying. Woe to those who have replaced my law and my ethical code from God's word with your own ways, with your own wickedness. God said, be aware, woe to you, because judgment's coming. And really what God's saying here and what we understand is that those who follow hard after sin, those who follow hard after rebellion against God soon lose the ability to even recognize truth. Is that not what you discover today? You talk to somebody about God and you say, you know, you really shouldn't be doing that. And, it, and it's anathema to them. They lose the ability to even uh, see truth. They can't, they can't understand. Let me give you some contemporary examples of where we've replaced light with darkness and we've replaced good with bad and we call bad good and good bad. In our society today, here's something I hear a lot uh, from the younger generation. And if you're in that younger generation I'm telling you right now, you need to listen up. There is this phrase that has been misused. It's called work-life balance. Ever hear that? Now, work-life balance is important. You can't work yourself to death, and God never calls you to do that, and you have to take time off. But work-life balance has become the pursuit of pleasures and the world without having to earn it. That's what it's become. And we've, and we've, we've now touted work-life balance to be to be uh, the pursuit of recreation and personal pleasures apart from work. And that's wrong. We've, we've begun to call good uh, bad and bad good. How about this? Stealing and taking what is, belongs to somebody else now has been called necessity or entitlement. See it all over the TV. How about this? Personal responsibility for one's choices and actions is viewed as unfortunate circumstances, underprivileged, or being treated unfairly. No, no. The Bible says we're responsible for what we do. The Bible says we're responsible for the choices that we make and the decisions that we make. How about this one? Disregard for law and order is not considered freedom of expression. How do we get there? How do we get there? I told Sherry, you know how to stop some of the nonsense we see going on in society today? Just don't put up with it. Just go, we're not putting up with that. Period. And give it some teeth. 
But you do that, here's what's going to happen. You know what people will decide? Okay, I won't do that. Worked on my children. If you do that, your backside's going to hurt. Their backside hurt one time. You know what they figured out? I'm not doing that anymore. I'll tell this story. Hunter will be here in the second service. He'll be embarrassed. He got spanked one time. You say, oh, no, you spanked your children? Yep. When it was called for. He went to school, told them that I spanked him. Well, they called me. Said, you spank your son? Yep. I'll be right down there. I'll show you how it works. <laughs> no. no, I didn't do it. So I went out there and I, I said, I said, there's a process of punishment. I said, you know, a small infraction gets loss of privileges, restriction. I said, but if, if there's a major infraction, it gets a SWAT and gets up to three SWATs, never was more than three. And so they asked Hunter, I would never forget, he's a little fella, he's sitting in the office and they said, well, well why, why is spanking so bad? And he goes, well, it hurts. And the principal said, well, I think it's supposed to hurt. I said, yeah, it is. Listen, truth and error, right and wrong, disregard for law now is, has become this idea of freedom of expression. Then this one, deviation from God's ordained use of human sexuality is now considered freely expressing who you are. That's wrong. It's wrong. It was wrong yesterday. It's been wrong forever because God said it's wrong. And let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what we think about it. It doesn't matter that we think things are okay or that we've become uh, so blessed in society that, that we just come up with all these new ways to live. No, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and what was wrong yesterday is wrong today. And what was right yesterday is right today. And we can't change it. That's what God said to Israel. Look, you can't make right, wrong, and wrong, right. And then secondly, God said here very quickly, he said, the second woe is to those who become wise in their own eyes. Those who, who, who in their arrogance think that they're right about everything and that they can decide. There's a, there's a time in Israel during the time of the judges when it said this in Judges 17, 6, in those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. We think we're so progressive today when we're actually fools. We think we're coming up with new ways to live and God said, no, you're just fools. You're not wise in your own eyes. Listen to this, this is serious business. When a, when a person is humble enough to say, you know what, God's right and I'm wrong, there's hope for them to be saved. There's room for repentance. But when a person becomes so arrogant and wise in their own eyes that they reject God, they'll never repent and they'll never come to Christ. God said, woe to those who, who become wise in their own eyes and think that they're smarter than God. Well, the ultimate lie, all of those are evidences of the ultimate lie's effect in society, and I'm going to tie it together for you. Go to 1 John chapter 2, and look at verses 22 and 23. <clears throat> now, John, here again, just to remind you, he's speaking to Christians. And listen to what he says here. He says, who is a liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Verse 23, Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. The ultimate lie, according to John, 
the lie of all lies, the ultimate lie from which all the other falsehoods in society and in humanity come from is to deny that Jesus is the Christ. Now, what does that mean? They say, well, that's pretty important. If that's the ultimate lie, if that's the greatest lie, what does it mean that, that, that a person denies that Jesus is the Christ? Well, it means three predominant things, very quickly. Number one, it means to deny that he's God, to deny his deity. Society does that all day, every day. Denying that Jesus is God. Number two, it means to deny his incarnation as a son of God. To deny that he left heaven and became a human being and took on flesh, God and man at the same time, and lived a sinless life on this earth. And thirdly, it means to deny that he's the Savior. That he died on a cross as a propitiation for our sins, as a satisfying of the wrath of God against sin. God's judgment fell on him so you and I can be saved. To deny that Jesus is the Christ means to deny those three things. Now, let me tell you three things about this ultimate lie that are important for us to understand. Number one, it originated with Satan. It originated with Satan. In fact, Satan has been leading the way ever since creation to lead man away from God. And everything in life and everything in society that leads man away from the law of God is of Satan. The whole world system is of Satan. Jesus was talking to the religious hypocrites of his day, the Pharisees, and Jesus said this, you are of your father, the devil. Well, I'm sure they enjoyed that. Here they are, the religious elite of the day, and they think they are so righteous, and Jesus said, no, you're really of the devil. Why? Listen to what he said. And the desires of your father you want to do. Now listen to what Jesus said about Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning, Cain and Abel, okay? And he does not stand in the truth, because there's no truth in him. Listen, Satan, when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, why? Because he is a liar and the father of it. Where did it begin to deny that Jesus is God? Where did it begin to deny the incarnation? Where did it begin to deny that he's the savior of the world? With Satan. When a person denies Jesus, they're simply following what Satan established here and is leading mankind to do. So Satan, ultimately is where this lie came from. Number two, it is the source of all other lies. To deny Jesus as the Christ is the beginning of the end in every other area of life. That's important. Let me give you the, the progression of how this goes. Listen very carefully. Online, listen very carefully. To deny Jesus is the Christ opens a door for deism and atheism and every other false religion in the world. To deny Jesus as Christ opens the door for every other area in the world. You deny Jesus as Christ, most people who do that end up deistic or atheistic. Deism is there's some force out there, there's some, some super force, maybe Star Wars-like, you know, that the force be with you, but there's no real personal God. And of course, atheism denies there's any God at all, which is the height of foolishness. You don't have to be a, a genius to look around and realize there's a God, there's a creator. So what happens? We begin down this path. We deny that Jesus is the Christ. We deny that he's God, which leads to all these errors in, in religion. Then it leads to, to moral relativity. Follow the thought process. If there's no God, if there's no supreme being, there's no creator, then it doesn't matter what I do. In fact, if there's no God, I can decide what's right and wrong. We have moral relativity. I can decide that, 
these things in society are okay, whatever I want to do, because there's nobody to say otherwise. Thirdly, once there's moral relativity, man becomes his own God. Man becomes the own, his own, in his own mind, he's the master of his destiny and his, and his fate. And then finally, that leads to the idea of no judgment. There's no accountability. You can't tell me what to do. I'm a, I'm a person. I'm, I'm a free person. I can do whatever I want to do. If we remove God, then we might as well get rid of the laws all around because there's no authority. There's no ultimate authority. And then finally, you go all the way down this path of denying Jesus. Every man does what's right in his own eyes, which leads where? To destruction. Listen to this. Every society in human history, listen to me, without exception, every society in human history who's gone down this path has ceased to exist. The United States of America is on this path. We're going down this road. We're denying that Jesus is the Christ. We're denying that he's God and we think we're our own God. We think we can make the rules and the laws. We think we can say right is wrong and wrong is right. Mm, but we know better, don't we? There's a God in heaven who's still on the throne. And every human society who's gone down this road has passed away. Thirdly, this error originated with Satan. It is the source of all lies. And most importantly and most severely, it keeps people from the Father. You see, if you deny Jesus, you can't be reconciled to the Father. If you deny Jesus, you can't be saved because he's the only way. To deny Jesus, listen, to, to resist Jesus, to, to turn him away, is to alienate oneself from God the Father. Jesus said this in John 12, 44 and 45. Listen to this. He said, he who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. In John, uh, listen, in John 14, 9, have I been with you so long, Philip? Because Philip says, show us the Father and we'll believe. He said that you've not seen me. He said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you get the picture? Jesus is the Christ. And Jesus is the full manifestation of God the Father. And the only way for us to be reconciled to God the Father is through Jesus Christ. So a person who rejects that Jesus is the Christ has no hope of being saved. And here's why that's so important. You understand, and you who are watching online, I hope you understand. Every human being who comes into the world has a sin nature, and we are separated from God by our sin. We are sinners, not just by nature, but by choice. Who in here did not disobey God at some point this week? I'll put two hands up, okay? Did we, did we not fail at some point this week to be all God called us to be? It's not necessarily a sin of commission. You say, well, pastor, I didn't commit any great sin this week. Okay, good. Give you a star on your thing, okay? But did you do everything God told you to do? Did you witness to your neighbor? How about a person at the gas station, the grocery store? Did you, did you go talk to somebody and help them when God laid it on your heart? Did you do everything God laid on your heart to do, Dave? Probably not. Probably not. So what do we need? We need, an, we need one to intercede for us. We need Jesus. The only way to be, to be forgiven of sin is in Jesus Christ. So do you understand that if a person follows the ultimate line, rejects Jesus, they, they basically condemn themselves to hell because there's no other way. 
There's no other way to be a reconciled to the Father. If you have Jesus, you have the Father. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have the Father. And we need a reconciled relationship with Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 6, what? I'm the way and truth. There's the key word. In the face of all the lies of the world, Jesus said, no, you want truth, I'm it. And the Bible's truth because it's a reflection of Jesus, about him. So Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And unless you come to the Father, you can't be saved. Unless you come to Jesus, you can't be saved. Why? Because you're going to spend eternity in heaven with him. Can't have any sin. Got to be purified. So it's important that we understand the, the implication of the ultimate lie. The response to Jesus, listen very carefully. Our response to Jesus determines everything. Let that sink in. Our response to Jesus determines everything. Life here and eternal life. To accept Jesus is to be forgiven of sin, to receive eternal life, receive his righteousness, and have fellowship with the Father. Matter of fact, it means to be adopted into the family. Couldn't get any better than that. To reject Jesus means to be responsible for our own sin, accountable to God for our own sin, and to stand before him in judgment one day at the great white throne, and then to spend eternity in hell. We understand, I hope you understand who are watching online, there's heaven and there's hell. And Jesus is the one who stands between the two. You want to get to heaven, you got to come through Jesus. He is the Christ. William Barclay, great Scottish theologian, said this, and I quote, listen to what he said. To deny Jesus is indeed the supreme lie, for it is to lose entirely the faith and the knowledge which he alone makes possible, end quote. That's a great quote. To deny Jesus is to lose the faith and the knowledge that comes from him alone. Why would you do that? Why would you do that today? Now, John goes on to say this. He says in verses 24 and 25, look at it with me there, 1 John chapter 2. He says, let this truth that we're talking about, this truth of Jesus, let it abide in you. Notice what he says. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life, eternal life. <clears throat> what does John mean when he says, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning? What's he talking about? What, it, what is it that's going to abide in us? Well, at the beginning of your Christian journey, at the beginning of your Christian faith, you were born again by faith in Jesus Christ. How were you born again by faith in Jesus Christ? You heard the truth of the gospel. Paul said the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. When you heard the gospel, somebody shared it with you. You heard a preacher share it. You heard it on the radio. You heard the gospel somewhere. Maybe you picked up a Bible, a Gideon Bible, and you read it. But the truth of God's word penetrated your heart and you were convicted. And you said to God, God, you're right and I'm wrong. And God, I am a sinner. And everything you say about me is true. And I believe you. That's called faith, by the way. You say, how much faith do I have to have, have to be saved? Just faith. Faith of a mustard seed. That little bitty faith. 
Aren't you grateful? Aren't you grateful for that? Doesn't take big faith, just takes faith. So you say to God, God, I understand the truth. The Holy Spirit has helped me to understand. And God, I want to be saved. I want a relationship with you. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. God, forgive my sin and save me. In that moment, the truth of God has taken root in your heart. It's taken place in your life. And that truth, if you study God's word and, and learn and grow in spiritual growth, that truth will guide you the rest of your life. It'll be the compass that you use to measure life. It'll give you a moral bearing in life. John said, hey, let that truth abide in you. Let that, truth, let that truth resonate in your life, that truth that you started with, that gospel. Now, why would he say that to a bunch of Christians? Because there were false teachers around who were trying to draw them away. There were false teachers who were teaching that Jesus is not the Christ and they didn't come in the flesh and all the, all the heresies. And John said, no, let the truth that you started with, let that thing be let that thing be abiding in your life. Don't be dissuaded. And I would say to us today, the world, the world will try to make you ashamed of Jesus. The world will try to make you ashamed that you're a Christian and the world will, will condemn you. It'll try to embarrass you in front of other people. It'll make you, listen, the world will try to make you think it's stupid and uneducated and, 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 you, and a crutch. I've heard that more times. Oh, religion's a crutch for you people. You need a crutch to get through life. No, I don't need a crutch. I need Jesus. And absolutely do I need Jesus to get through life. I need Jesus to get through all of eternity. And then you can say to the person, so do you. You're just not bright enough to understand it. Shouldn't say that, but that's what you want to say. I'm not the one stupid here, okay? By the grace of God, I'm the one who understands. You don't understand. You don't get it. That's what you want to say, but don't say that. The point is, listen, let, John said, let that truth, let that, that thing which is the foundation of your faith, let it be solid. Let it be solid. Why, why would John say that? What is it? Listen, back in uh, verses 16 and 17, let me give you some, uh, some truth about this. Jesus is God. He is the incarnate Son of God, and, and He did die for us on the cross. He's the Savior. John tells us in this passage, and back in verses 16 and 17, he gives us some reasons to abide in the truth. Let me, he gives two back in verses 16 and 17, and two in the verses we just let, read. Let me give them to you real quick. In verses 16 and 17 of John chapter, or 1 John chapter 2, he says this, For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Let me start with those two right there. Number one, he said, listen, let the truth of God abide in you because all that's in this world is, is alien to the Father. In other words, stay in the truth of God's word. Don't get drawn into the world. Now, I praise God for this. A person, man or woman, boy or girl, young person who has genuinely been saved by faith in Jesus Christ, they put their trust in Jesus. If they get confused, if, if they don't grow spiritually, it won't affect their salvation. I'm thankful for that because salvation is all by grace, not by works. But what John's saying is, look, be an effective Christian in the, in the world. 
Don't just be a dead fish floating downstream. He said, he said swim against the, the current of ugliness in this world and let the truth abide in you. Why? Because the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, which is indicative of everything evil in this world, he said, it's all antithetical to God. It's all opposite of who he is. He said, so don't be involved in that. Let the truth abide in us. You say, well, pastor, how do I, how do I grow or how do we as Christians be strong in the truth of Jesus Christ? I'm glad you asked. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. That seems so simple, doesn't it? If I were to go around the room today and go, how many times you read the Bible this week? Some people might be ashamed. I said, well, last Sunday? Okay, I'm glad. How about Monday through Saturday? Did you read a verse? Did you meditate on a verse? Did you... Did you Read, I mean, it's the instruction book for the Christian life. You think we ought to read it? It's the thing that makes us strong. You think we ought to read it? Yeah, we should. We should. Listen, and I need to read it more than just preparing sermons. I need to read it for my own personal edification. We need to read it. So you say, how do I, how do I stand firm in the faith I started with? Read the Bible. How about our prayer life? I don't have time to get into all that. Do we pray? Do you spend time talking with the Father? Hard to have a close relationship with somebody you never talked to. You ought, you ought to talk to God. Man, I pray all the time. I pray when I'm driving with my eyes open. Do you know you can pray with your eyes open? Closing your eyes is not in the Bible. You go, really? Yeah. Took me a long time to learn that. Because I grew up in church where you bow your head, you close your eyes. Sometimes we get down on our knees by the chair, the pew, which is all good. I pray on my knees at home sometimes. The fact is, though, you can pray all the time. I pray sometimes when I'm walking across the parking lot. I pray when I'm, you know, everywhere. I pray. Do you pray? Listen, prayer should be like breathing. You should, you should be talking to God all the time. God, help me today. I pray like this sometimes. God, I'm aggravated right now. Don't let me say something stupid. You ever do that? No, you just say something stupid and then go forgive me, right? No. We should pray. So listen, to abide in the truth, what do you do? You read the Bible, you, you pray, and then listen, here's one that, that, that people accuse me of legalistic. You come to church. You participate in the corporate worship of the body of Christ so that you're strengthened with other Christians. We worship together. We're going to talk about praise and worship tonight in, in Psalm 147. You want to come back for that. We worship together. Worship together is good for us. That's how you stand strong. Listen, here's the second reason why we should stand strong in the truth. He said in verse 17 of 1 John chapter 2, the world's passing away. The world's temporary. God is forever. The world's temporary. Eternal life is eternal life. Why, why would we be engaged in the world and be so enamored with this world when it's all going to end? I was thinking this week, doesn't matter. Bezos and these guys who are, have so much money, accountants can't count it fast enough. You know you got a lot of money when you're building rocket ships, right? I mean, you got a lot of money when you're building spaceships and giving people rides into orbit and, and all the stuff that's going on. And they're planning a trip to Mars. Good luck. There's a reason there's no water or air there, okay? Good luck. But the point is this, you could achieve all those things in life be the first person to fly to Mars, and what will it matter if you don't know Jesus? 
You'll get a really good look of Mars as you go by on your way to hell. That's all I can say. I mean, there's no benefit to it, okay? There's nothing. You know, Jesus, standing the truth, has value. Nothing in this world has any lasting value outside of Jesus Christ. The world's passing away. Now, number three, John said this. The reason we should stand in the, in the Father is fellowship with Him. The way, reason we should stand in the truth is fellowship with the Father. Fellowship with the Father is precious. I don't know about you as a Christian, but when I'm out of fellowship with God because of sin in my life, because I'm ornery, because of whatever reason, whatever reason gets in you and gets you out of walk with God, you know how miserable you are. And I can't wait to get right with God and say, Lord, now I'm just messed up. That's all I can say. You fix me. You save me. You know who I am. You created me. You know the struggles, things that I struggle with. And I thank you that you love me. God, forgive me. And aren't you thankful that when you ask God to forgive you, no matter how many times he always does. That's a great God. Fellowship with the Father. I was reminded this week of a guy named Enoch. Remember him? Back in Genesis uh, chapter 5, verse 24, it says, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That's awesome, man. I mean, that's a whole sermon in itself, but I'll give you a little piece. One little kid went to Sunday school one day, and he, you know, and they had the story of Enoch, and he went home. His mama said to him, so what did you learn in Sunday school today? And he said, well, we learned about this guy named Enoch who walked with God. And she goes, really? Well, what happened to him? So, well, one day he walked with God every day. He, he you know, would walk with God. He would go out and he would go home. And he would walk with God and go home. And one day he went out walking and, uh, and God said to him, Enoch, why don't you just come on home with me today because my house is closer than yours. And Enoch just went on to God's house. And I thought, man, that's a great explanation from a child. Enoch so walked with God and his fellowship was so good that one day God just said, won't you just come on up here and be with me? Don't you want to walk with God like that? You see, listen, abiding in the truth gives you a walk with God like that. And do you realize that's a foreshadow of the rapture? That's what's going to happen one day. Jesus one day is going to say, you know what, won't you just come live with me? So walk with him now. Have the fellowship with him now so that it's not such a shock when you show up in person. How about that? I mean, you show up in person and Jesus goes, now who are you again? No, Jesus wouldn't do that because he knows you. But you understand what I'm saying. Maybe when you show up, Jesus will look at us and go, man, we haven't talked in a while, have we? Well, yeah, okay. But no, have, have the fellowship. And then finally, finally, here's why we should abide in the truth. Probably the most important, eternal life. Eternal life. Now let's just break this down real simple and we'll close. The two options for humanity, listen to me online. If you die without Jesus Christ, if you die in your sin, you're going to spend eternity separated from God, Father. You're going to spend eternity separated in a place called hell, lake of fire, weeping, wailing, gnashing. It's going to be a place of punishment. Or you can humble yourself, confess your sin to God, admit that we are sinners, because we are not admitting anything God doesn't already know. We're just agreeing with them. Say to God, I, I want to be saved. God will forgive your sin and he will, listen to me, he'll give you eternal life. How long's eternal? It's eternal. How long's forever? It's forever. Now, I don't know about you and I, and I can't make a decision for you. But if you're asking me, Eternal life 
with God the Father or hell? That's the easy choice, isn't it? I mean, who in here would go, no, I pick hell? Lost people doing that every day? Why? Because they love sin so much, the world's going to pass away. The pleasures of sin are fleeting, they're short, they only last a little while. And sin is like drinking from a well of water that leaves you thirsty. You drink from the well of sin, it just leaves you warm more and more and more and never satisfies. Jesus said, I'll give you living water. He said, I'll give you water that bubbles up in you and satisfies all the time. Well, that's what I want. That's what the woman at the well wanted. She said, give me some of that water. You can have that today. Listen, the conclusion is simply this. The world, the world operates under the ultimate lie. The world denies the deity of Jesus Christ. It denies his incarnation. It denies his sacrifice on the cross for us. And the whole world's built on the lie. Jesus Christ is the truth. We're going to pray in just a moment. While we're praying, you online or at home or here, if you're not saved this morning, if you, if you don't know that you have eternal life in Jesus Christ, you can pray and receive him right now, right there quietly between you and God silently. You don't need me to do that. Would you pray to receive Christ today? Would you do that? Would you be sure that Jesus is your Lord, that you're in the truth? Would you do that today? Let's pray. God, thank you that in a world that is overcome with the ultimate lie, there is truth. And that truth is your son, Jesus Christ. And it is expressed in your word, the Bible. It's very likely, Lord, that somebody online that's watching is lost. It's very likely that, that somebody here today, they're not sure they're going to heaven when they die. And Lord, right now in this moment, they can pray and say, God, I'm sorry for my sin and I, and I want to put my faith in Jesus and I ask you to forgive me. God, if they'll do that, you said you would save them. You'll forgive all their sin. You'll give them eternal life. Father, I pray that someone today would surrender their heart to you. God, help us as Christians to abide in the truth, not be, not be dissuaded, not be pushed aside by the world, but abide in the truth. Stand firm. Let it reign supreme in our lives. I pray that for each of us in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we sing a verse of song. If I can pray with you or help you, you come on the first verse. I'll be down front.